We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is March 21st, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Silvia, Luke, what's going on, bro? Well, I'm great because uh, March Madness is underway. So it feels like a holiday season. You got upsets left and right. You got Miami, 10 seed up on Auburn right now. Your Tar Heels as an what, eight seed. That's right, baby. Uh, there, I mean, just you know, taking down slaying giants. So I, it's a, it's it was, a, it's it was a, good a little time. hairy. It was. It was. It's a little bit hairy. Goes, goes OT. You guys got the job done. I really thought, you know, OT put a fork in you. But I thought so, too. Ended up uh, destroying Baylor in overtime. I thought so, too. You're up 25. As soon as uh, Brady Manick gets ejected from the game after hitting uh, Sohan with the little elbow, which, you know, you don't you don't love to see one of your better players do that. And then, you know, obviously he gets ejected from the game. A little bit questionable. Thought the refereeing the rest of that game was very questionable. But, yeah, you go into OT, and it's like, man, we were up 25. All of the momentum is gone. Feels like the air has been sucked out of the building. Auburn fans are going crazy. Not Auburn. Good grief. I'm thinking the last time that we uh, lost in a, a big tournament game. Baylor fans are going crazy. And the Auburn game's going on on my other monitor here. But yeah, it, it was good that we pulled out the W. Hoping we can take well, care of UCLA. I mean, somehow it wasn't like... Yeah, North Carolina knocked off the one seed, but like the the upsets just continued to happen yesterday. You had eleven seed Michigan beating three seed Tennessee by eight. You had uh, St. Peter's, the Peacocks, yeah, Peacock Nation stand up. They beat Murray State, the seven seed, seventy to sixty. Memphis gave Gonzaga a run for their money, and Gonzaga pulls it out. And then you know today you you got you got some fun games going on right now as well. Michigan, Michigan State know. almost beat Duke. Michigan State, that score was way, that game was way closer than the score yeah. indicated. 11 seed Iowa State takes down 3 seed Wisconsin. There's there's, uh, there's not many things like March Madness in terms of like entertainment value. I don't, I'm not like a huge college basketball guy during the regular season by any means. I'll, I'll keep up with it. I know who's good, who's not. I know when my Gators are trash and when they're good. Um, I, I keep up with it in that sense when March yeah. rolls around. I mean, my my friend says it. He works in college and in college basketball, but he says it. He says it's the best event in sports, and it really it's yeah. it's it's hard to argue. It's with pretty that. incredible. It really is the bang that you get for your buck. I mean, I would Dude. put the NBA playoffs up there with it, just because I enjoy the the drama of the NBA right. playoffs a little bit more, and obviously the the product is better. Right. But the this tournament has been very entertaining so far. We just haven't gotten any buzzer beaters yet. That's what I'm no buzzer for. beaters, but you got to know waiting it's coming. The buzzer beaters. It's you always know it's coming. coming. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, with, 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 oh, this yeah. hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, if you don't no, get just, the joke, rewind about 15 seconds and listen. Yeah. Back. yeah, yeah. It was a delayed reaction by yeah. Jonathan there. I just didn't want to like, dive hey, into wait it. Wait a wait a minute. I didn't want to dive into it. <laughs> um, no, but, but it's, uh, I mean, basketball all day, uh, 
for like three days in a row for two straight weeks, um, I mean, it's always coming. Anyways, Luke, we've got some housekeeping uh, items to take care of. First of all, if you guys ever wondered how you can help financially support the show, uh, we do have a Patreon that you can contribute to. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Whenever a new patron joins, we do a special shout out for the patron and we shout out every patron on every one of our episodes. And we'll do that right now. Shout out Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Julio, Bailey, Matt Lyman, Eric Segovia, Gabe Gaines. Thank you guys so much. Really, really appreciate you all. Okay, Luke. We're going to do the uh, the good old tankathon. It is that time of year. We're watching college basketball. We're watching some of these elite prospects. The Magic have 10 games left. So we're really getting down to the nitty-gritty of the season here. And in, in just a, about two months, we are going to have the NBA draft lottery to find out where the Magic will be picking. So we use tankathon.com. We use their NBA draft lottery simulator. Uh, currently, the Magic have the second-worst record in the NBA, just behind the Houston Rockets. They're just above the Detroit Pistons. The Magic have a 52.1% chance in this lottery of ending up with the top four pick if it were to happen today, and a 14% chance of ending up with the number one overall pick. We're going to roll this once and then share the results. Hold your breath. Oh, my God. Mm. The Magic end up with the sixth pick. I... Oklahoma City, screw them, who we just played tonight. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Jump three spots to number one. Sacramento jumped three spots to number three. Detroit stays put at three. Atlanta jumps nine spots to number four. Nine. So we've run this, I think, four or five times now. Two times we ended up fifth. I think it's been four times now. Two times we ended up fifth. Last week we ended up second. Today we ended up sixth. Five times. One time we got fourth, I think. Okay, whatever. Just goes to show you, we just continue to get screwed over by this again and again and again. Hopefully the night of the lottery, the ping pong balls will be a little uh, a little kinder to us, Luke. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I hope so. They can't be meaner to us. That's yeah. for sure. This has been terrible. I, I don't even I don't even want to talk about this cuz it just honestly uh just kind of made me a little a little sick to my stomach if I'm if I'm being <laughs> all the way 100 with you. All right, Luke. Let's get to the weekly state of the Magic. Your Orlando Magic went 1 and 2 on the week with a 150 to 108 dismantling by the Brooklyn Nets at home, a 134 to 120 loss to the Pistons at home. You know, uh Kyrie Irving dropping 60 points, Sadiq Bay dropped in 50 points, no big deal. And then tonight, your Orlando Magic win 90 to 85 at home over the Oklahoma City Thunder. This week, Luke brings them to a record of 19 and 53. They have the second worst record in the league, the worst record in the Eastern Conference. Coming into Sunday, they were 29th in offensive rating in the league, 21st in defensive rating, 28th in net rating. We've been talking for, you know, a couple of weeks now how since the beginning of the year, since the All-Star break, Magic have been one of the best defensive teams in the league. Again, coming into Sunday, over the past seven days, the Magic were the worst team 
in in terms of defensive rating in the entire league. Uh, when you're giving up 60 points to one guy, 50 you know 51 points to another, you know that kind of uh, tends to happen. The defensive rating kind of goes down the toilet. In terms of the injury report, it's still Jonathan Isaac out, Bull Bull is out, and Jalen Suggs has missed the last couple of games uh, with the the right ankle sprain. So uh, yeah, um, there's some talk that maybe we don't see Jalen the rest of the year. You know, you've got just about three weeks left. You want these guys to be healthy going into the offseason. I feel like especially for Jalen, that's really, really critical. Um, so I, I don't think given the way that this team has handled injuries and how Jalen is just kind of this ankle thing has been an issue for a little bit now, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be totally surprised if we don't see him for the rest of the year, although maybe the Magic want to see him in some lineups with, you know, like a Markel Fultz or, you know, something like that. Any thoughts on that? You think we see Jalen? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. It depends. I mean, that this team is very committed to the tank. I mean, very. Not as much as OKC, Gonna maybe. Say. But it's debatable with the whole, you know, J.I. thing. Markel's probably going to stay on a minute restriction longer than he needs to. I I would not be shocked if, if that does happen, if Jalen does sit out the rest of the season. Man, you... I mean, like we've talked about before, you are this committed to the tank. You you might as well just go all in. You only got a few weeks left in the season. Hold him out the rest of the year. Let him just continue to get healthy. I think that uh, wouldn't be the worst thing. It is what it is at this point. It is what it is. That's kind of that's just the way that this season feels. You know, it, it kind of mm-hmm. is what it is. So, Luke, going back before we talk and kind of break down these Magic games from the the past week. Um, before we do that, speaking of March Madness, mm. you know, we've had our eyes on a few prospects in particular. The Magic right now, you know, again, are second, you know, in terms of worst record in the league, hoping to end up with a you know top pick, top three, top four pick. Um, let's talk specifically about the guys that really for the last few months have been slated to go right at the top of this draft: Jabari Smith Jr., Paolo Bancaro, and uh, and Chet Holmgren. What what have your thoughts been out of those guys so far? They've Really, all three of them played really well in their their uh, you know, NCAA tournament debut. Yeah, I think that you start with Chet here, right? Because Chet's kind of the the unicorn of sorts. I mean, he had an outrageous stat line in his first round. Um, let's see, I'm pulling that up here. Yeah, his first round there against Georgia State, obviously the 16 seed. You know, you, you see Chet put in 19 points and 17 rebounds, five assists, two steals, seven blocks, and zero turnovers. I mean, just an outrageous uh, outrageous performance by Chet Holmgren. You kind of started to, to see, I mean, he, he held, um, you know, he played well defensively against Memphis in that 1-9 matchup. You would have liked to seen more from Chet offensively. He only shoots the ball seven times. He's 0 of 3 from 3. He's 9 and 9 points, 9 rebounds. You kind of look at his uh, you know, recent games here, you know, through five non-conference games against Texas, Duke, UCLA, Alabama, Texas Tech, he had averaged nine points and fifty-one percent from the field, which is a lot different than his yearly averages. I think with with Gonzaga being in the conference that they're in. And uh, I think that they just play a lot of low-level teams. And unfortunately, it doesn't give you, like, the best look at, uh, at these prospects. So with Chet, man, I think the frame scares a lot of people. I think that that's going to show uh, when it comes to draft time. I think that it wouldn't surprise me if Chet doesn't go one. And I think that a large part will be just because of the frame uh, and maybe some uncertainty and what, you know, how he will translate. So I, it, it is a tough thing um, it's unfortunate for Chet just because, you know, he's still going to make a lot of money. He's probably still going to have like a good NBA career, but there's a lot in the air when it comes to him. And I think that he's got like the, he's the, the, one of the top prospects who probably has the most question marks just because of like those things. Yeah. I posed the question to our listeners a few days back of, you know, convince me that mm-hmm. I shouldn't be afraid of the frame because I see yeah. it and people want to compare him to Kevin Durant and you know Kevin Garnett and Giannis and, and Jonathan Isaac in terms of frame and some of these other guys that we've seen you know have be relatively successful in the league now you can look at Jonathan Isaac and be like okay yeah you know he had a couple of good years and then he's been really bit by the injury bug i mean only played i think it was 27 games his rookie year 
um, you know, plays most of the 18-19 season, and then the 19-20 season plays like 34 games, is hurt, comes back in the bubble tears ACL, and now it's going to be two plus years that we don't see Jonathan Isaac on the floor. So that, I mean, if you're using Jonathan Isaac as an example, like, I'm sorry, you're not helping the case here. You're not helping the the question that I'm asking, which is mm-hmm. why should I not be afraid about his durability? But when you compare him to guys like Giannis and, and KD and, and Kevin Garnett, even though at one point those guys were, you know, kind of more lanky and, and on the slighter side, to me, Chet is the extreme of that. And I'm not saying this, you know, to, to be mean or anything like that, but the kid does not have much more to him than skin and bone. He's like, like 195. He... This is a crazy stat. He is as tall as Joel Embiid. He weighs as much as Kyrie Irving. <laughs> and I'm not concerned about whether or not he's going to be able to be competitive from a, a talent standpoint or, or a skill got, you know, yeah. standpoint. I am just concerned that this is going to be a guy that you can count on for you know 60-plus regular season games. And then the hope is, with the magic, that we're going to be playing in the playoffs for years to come with yeah. this core that we have. Can you count on him to play 60-plus regular season games mm-hmm. and then 20 to 30 you know, playoff I, games? Yeah, and I think that a big part of this really... Uh, so, first of all, let's just say... I mean, you can't, say, you can't like, play 30 playoff games, but you can right. play up to 28 given like, every series goes to seven games, but right, 15 right. to 20 playoff games, whatever. Point taken. And, and what you said there was important, which was you're not doubting his talent, like his skill. It's there. I mean, it, it, truthfully... Um, you know, regardless of what I said, like in terms of like his non-conference games, um, because he is in a weaker conference, what his performances have been, he has the intangibles, he has the IQ. The one of the crazier thing, one of the crazier things about his game, and you mentioned obviously one crazy stat regarding his height and w- and weight, is on fast breaks where Chet Holmgren is the primary ball handler in transition, he is ten for ten, leading those fast breaks. I mean, he he has it. He can play on the wing. He's got the IQ. He obviously is making the right reads, the right passes on fast breaks as well. As a primary ball handler, like, I'm not just saying he's just running down the court alongside and, like, streaking down the court. He is the primary ball handler in those situations, and he's 10 of 10. So he has all of the talent there. It really is, like, and the Magic aren't obviously in a spot to necessarily say, like, what's our best fit, right? But if there was a worst fit of these top three guys i think chet is that worst fit solely because you're gonna have to wait like he you're gonna have to wait like a couple years for this guy's body to fill out if not three or four if, if even if even it's possible that is my question Can, if it's possible some people's frames mm-hmm. just don't fill out you know people i mean i know people growing up and obviously it's different when you're growing up but like even to this day i know people that just eat so much food they just can't gain weight. This is just them. So at that point, you just have to rely on building muscle. And Chet's going to have to, like, Chet would have to do that. Chet would have to be, you know, weights in the offseason. Obviously, not much weights during the season or else it's going to mess up his shot, which he can shoot at the ball pretty well and play on the wing. But, yeah, I think that, that Chet really is a, a, a few years of a project. I think he can contribute immediately. But when I say that, I don't think he can reach, like, even close to his ceiling without filling out first. Like if he can fill out and he can prove that and he can, you know, work out and that's all he does is eat, work out, play basketball and sleep, then then we'll see. But but Chet really does have some question marks and I would be very scared if the Magic were to draft him just because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's uncertainty with all these guys, but when it comes to your frame, something you can't help, that stuff is is very scary. I would say if I didn't have the questions about Chet's frame, which may or may not be justified, I don't think we'll be able to answer that question for a while. If I if I was not concerned about his frame, to me he is like S tier in this draft. I, I feel if, like he would if he doesn't be clearly number one. If he doesn't go one, Jonathan, it I am very confident in saying if he doesn't go one, it is because they were concerned about his frame. Yeah, because he every. Everything else, Jonathan, across the board, he is better than everybody else. Um, or so it seems. We'll see as March Madness continues. I think this is why a lot of people love this. Uh, you know, love tournament time is just because they get to see these prospects on the big stage with the bright lights. These aren't going to be conference, you know, cupcake games for Chet Holmgren the rest of the way, especially. Uh, I'm interested to see how he fares 
because there were a couple plays there um, in his last game against Memphis where I was like, oh, that's not good. But I think it wasn't fair because the people that they, you know, people showed highlights of like or lowlights of Chet just getting bodied down low and just getting overpowered. At the same time, Chet did really well defensively, and I don't think that those those highlights told the story. Um, but I'm very interested to see what Chet does the rest of the the rest of the way against top tier talent. And defensively for Gonzaga, he is very much playing the five. He is not going to be playing the five in the NBA, at least not defensively. He's he, not going to be, at least for a long yeah. time, is not going to be guarding the Jokic's and Embiid's and, right. and guys like that. He's very much going to be a four. And, and due in large part to the fact that Chet thrives even as a wing player. Like, Chet can do a lot of different things. Um, another thing to kind of note, like, as far as, like, box score watching when it comes to Chet, like, looking at these games and being like, Oh well, whatever here and there. I, I, you know, he didn't perform well here. He didn't have that many points. He's not getting like touches like a like a like a Palo is. Like he's just he's just not. He's not getting touches like that. What you need to really look at is how many times does the op- opposing team not drive to the paint when Chat's down there, and how because those are potential points. If you put anybody else in the paint, they're probably going to attack the paint. You know, without you know any type of fear. But when Chet's down there, it strikes fear into people because he's just so long. He's so long, and and he's so he's his IQ's so high. He 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 knows how to anticipate and block shots. He's very good at it. So I, I think that that you need you know people need to actually watch these games, Jonathan. I don't think people should just like take it on like how many points he had or anything. Uh, defensively, at least like he he really can impose his will defensively without with just standing there. His presence is enough. So the shot blocking and the timing is like legitimately elite. It's incredible. Like it's, I don't think there's any any college player that I've ever seen that has the kind of anticipation and like coordination and timing that he has when it comes to blocking shots without fouling, and he yeah. can get beat, recover, and, and still block the shot. So again, if you came to me and was like, "No, this kid is going to be totally fine. He's going to play 65 games in the regular season a year. He's going to be able to play, you know, 15 to 20 playoff games." Then I'm taking Chet, and I'm not thinking twice about it because I think he is the most skilled guy. I mean, you know, last year we saw Evan Mobley come out, and the thing with Evan was like, oh, he's you know kind of a unicorn, like can handle the ball mm-hmm. a little bit. As much as Evan Mobley can handle the ball, like Chet is even better at handling the ball than Evan Mobley is. And both of those yeah. guys, you know, I don't think are gonna you know you're not gonna run your offense through or anything like that. But like Chet is extremely extremely skilled. Evan mm-hmm. Mobley probably the better overall defender like defending in space and on the perimeter and stuff like that. But, I mean, they're both right there as, as shot blockers. So, um, And I've actually I spoke with a source who has spoken to NBA scouts, and a lot of them share the exact same concern that we're having about Chet's frame. If you're taking him at the top of the draft, can you trust that he's going to be healthy for 60 games a year for 10-plus years? And people just don't know that, obviously. All right. We're talking about Chet the most because he's definitely the most polarizing of yeah. these prospects. Um, mm. We just saw Paolo Bancaro and Duke, um, you know, with the win over Michigan State today. Through two games, what have you seen out of Paolo? Um, Paolo, man, I mean, you sit down and watch him for, for all of two minutes, and if you get to see him get a touch on offense, which happens quite a bit, I mean, I texted you guys something along the lines of today, like, Paolo looks NBA, looks like an NBA player. I'm not saying that like he is already like there, and whatever, but he just plays like one. Like his confidence, the way he looks on the court compared to those other guys that are even on his team, on the opposing team, you can just kind of look. You could like pause the game, look, and be like, okay, that guy is is one of the top prospects. If you had somebody come into the room that mm-hmm. had no idea about basketball, and like, yeah, p- point out the guy you think is going to get to the NBA, and they would point at Paolo, six yeah. ten, two fifty. Tank. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he's got a lot, man, and and I think that you know as far as he goes, his his three point shooting obviously leaves some stuff to be desired there. Um, I I think that he's gotten better, um, and, and I'm not gonna act like I've just like been watching Paolo, you know, you know, all season, right? But I based on what I've seen, what I've read. Um, he's gotten better in terms of his ball handling and, and looking to be more aggressive. Um, he, he can continue, like he can play through contact. I mean, he is, he's a stud, man. He's a top three pick 
Um, and, and I think that he's probably the best out of these three guys that we're going to talk about, like finishing through contact and being aggressive there. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. Do you have kind of, what are your thoughts on, on, uh, Paolo and, and what you, what you saw from him and, and what you kind of, how he stacks up? Well, I'm not going to sit here and act like I, you know, I've watched you know, all, you know, 30 right. something games that Duke has played this year. I probably watched right. like four or five of his games mm-hmm. and I've been playing, paying attention to Paolo, like even before the Duke season started, basically like right after the draft last year when I was like, okay, we're still going to be, you know, looking at a high lottery pick next year and just kind of looking up who the guys were. And for a long time, it was like, you know, Chet or Paolo and throughout the season, Jabari Smith Jr. has kind of put himself in that conversation. Um, but Paolo to me, like it's the, the strength, it's the physicality, it's, you know, he's, you know, 19 years old um, and has all of the, he has an NBA body, you know, like you said. Um, yeah. yeah, the three-point shooting isn't there, but the free throw percentage is fine, 73%. The form is fine. I think that's something that he can at least get to, you know, the league average. I think you and I talked about that earlier. And what was so impressive to me today is a few minutes ago, Duke down five, kid mm-hmm. has the ball in his hands and is not afraid of contact, trying to get to the rim, trying to make a play. You know, comes up with a big block on the other end. The kid was not afraid of the moment, and you can just tell, like, the kid has it. You can't really quantify what it is, but to mm-hmm. me, Paolo has it. Like, it would not surprise me at all if this kid is a, you know, five, ten-time All-Star when it's all yeah. said and done in the NBA just because of he has, like, natural ability that you can't teach. You can't teach 6'10", 250, his ability to run the floor, the playmaking ability – only average just over three assists. I think that's going to be a little bit different in the NBA if he's really given the ball in his hands all of the time. I mean, he gets plenty of field goal attempts uh, with Duke, but he's got guys like Wendell you know, Moore and A.J. Griffin that he's sharing the ball with and obviously sharing shot attempts with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm all in on Paolo. We're going to talk about Jabari Smith Jr. in a minute, but mm-hmm. um, I just think that if you do end up in the top three, if you're the Magic, it, it, to me it's kind of hard to you know, fault the pick mm-hmm. at least at the time time yeah. will tell obviously but yeah I, i've been a big fan of paolo you know for a long time um he's a guy even though he's not a great three-point shooter yet uh still has the ability to create his own shot off of the dribble gets to the rim good at the free throw line great body good rebounder i think he could probably play you know anywhere from you know the the two to the four in the nba depending on what you're asking of him um is he a crazy freak athlete no, but 6'10", 250, I, I think he's going to be a good enough defender um, you know, to fit today's NBA, versatile, switching everything, all that kind of stuff. Um, you, know, you put him with a guy like Jamal Mosley, you know, he's going to get these guys working on the defensive end. So, uh, I, yeah, we'll and I think that's something that he'll need. I think that from other things that I have seen about Paolo is that though he is a great shot blocker, um, obviously not Chet Holmgren, nobody's Chet Holmgren, <laughs> Uh, in terms of shot blocking ability in this draft class, but um, the the concern has been I I listen I hate hearing this word because I think of a certain guy on the Orlando Magic roster they question his defensive motor sometimes um, and and that he kind of looks a little bit vulnerable um, when it when it comes to closing out he can kind of get blown by but I, I think like you said like it that's that's very a lot changes when you co- when you go to the NBA. You you know obviously have better coaching. You have guys that can get into your coaching. Jamal Mosley will absolutely do that. Work with him uh, to make him at least like to the point where he doesn't have to be hid. You know doesn't have to be hidden defensively. And I think he can get there. That's not at all really what I'm worried about. Um, I do just remember seeing that you know kind of critique there about about Paolo's game. Yeah, I mean people have kind of critiqued his motor and like his uh, you know lack of laziness I guess you would say uh all season like whether or not he's he's gonna have that I mean had a couple of games this year like you know nine points you know eight points you know two of 13 from the floor uh you know three of nine from the floor but you just I mean like he's got 22 points 23 points 24 points yeah and when it's winning time he's a kid that you can put the ball in his hands trust him to make plays and we saw he had a, a great play a great block last couple of minutes down the stretch uh, you know, in tonight's Duke versus uh, Michigan State game. So, you know, when it's winning time, the the kid is there and he's he's ready to make plays. I saw a tweet that, you know, he might frustrate you on like a Tuesday in February, 
But, you know, in April and in May, when it, you know, in the playoffs and, and it's winning time, you know, the kid has what it takes to win. Now, you know, you never want to question a guy's motor, but how many times has that really come to fruition where you like legitimately question a guy's motor? Mo Bamba, ah, kind of fair. But how many times have we heard that? And how many times, like how many guys in the league are like, oh, that guy's motor, that guy's motor. It, it's, I, I think people try to make that a bigger deal than it actually is. Um, if it actually becomes a problem in the league, then yes, it's warranted. But I feel like, especially coming into the league, a lot of people worry about that and then it doesn't end up being a problem in the league. So that's just my two cents. But all right, let's talk about Jabari Smith Jr., who I think mm. if the draft was today would be number one on a lot of, a lot of Magic fans' draft boards, Luke. Um, yeah. What have you seen out of Jabari Smith Jr. so far as uh, Auburn's actually getting ready uh, there in the second half here? Yeah, uh, I mean he's he's what six six ten, he's uh he's just he's a, a freak from three. I mean he can shoot the ball really well, Jonathan. Um, interestingly enough, like his you know through the season he's shooting forty three point eight percent from the field, but he's shooting forty three point three percent from three. He just excels shooting uh, from beyond the arc. Uh, like you said, he'd be, you know, a lot of people, num- people's number one picks as far as it goes with the magic. I think that he, I think he's going to be the number one pick when it's all said and done come draft night. I just think that he is just like, he's ready. Uh, he's got, you know, the, the safest floor, I'd say, um, probably the highest floor out of all these guys, just because of his ability to shoot the three ball. Um, you know, like I said, 40, 42% or 40, yeah, 43% on five and a half attempts. He's, he's, he's doing all the things correctly. Like in, in terms of, of getting himself open from three as well. Right. Like he's got a just absolutely filthy. It don't matter if he's open. It, he's got it an absolutely matter. filthy jab step. And if you give him any, any window of daylight, he's going to shoot that thing and it's probably going in. I mean, it, it, he's. He's truly ridiculous from beyond the arc. And I, I've said this to you, Jonathan. I don't know for certain that any of these guys will be like superstar franchise changing type pieces. I hope they are. But I also think the Magic are in a spot where they can get, you know, if they get a Jabari Smith Jr. and they can just throw him out there with his length being 6'10 to defend and hit the three, uh, to hit the three ball. I mean, I really don't think I could ask for much else when it comes to who the Magic should draft this year. I would I would love to see Jabari Smith Jr. I'd love to see what this front office does with the number one pick. I really hope that uh, they they pick Jabari Smith Jr. But it's uh it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, with Jabari, obviously six ten, elite elite shooter. Um, you know, in terms of you know talent at the top of this draft, he's probably the best you know player to shooter ratio. You're always gonna get guys that you know, shot 47% from three, you know, in college, those guys that either go undrafted or, you know, might go in like the second round or something like that. But out of the top echelon of talent in this draft, he is by far and away the best shooter. Uh, the biggest question mark with Jabari for a lot of people is just whether or not he's ever going to be able to be like an elite shot maker and shot creator off of the dribble. Uh, mm-hmm. What I would say to Magic fans asking that question is, for so long we've been finding guys that you know might have a little bit of a handle and you know can kind of get to the rim, and we've talked ourselves into, oh, we'll turn them into a shooter. I think it's easier to teach dribbling and mm-hmm. handling and some of that shot creation stuff off the dribble than it is to teach guys to shoot because we've seen it not work out time and time and time again. We want to talk about you know Alfred Payton or. I guess Victor Oladipo eventually in his career turned in to be a pretty good shooter. We want to talk about, you know, like an Aaron Gordon. Um, Jury's still out on Cole Anthony and and Jalen Suggs and some of these other guys. But Jabari Smith Jr., one of the comps that I keep hearing that I can't get out of my mind is a 6'10 Clay Thompson. And I love (laughs) Clay Thompson, obviously. I don't know that he's quite Clay Thompson because, you know, Clay's got a little bag off the dribble. But if you have that kind of catch and shoot, off the ball, you know, again, catch and shoot ability from the three point line, like that is an elite skill in the NBA. And at the very least, this kid will be a very, very, very high level three and D kind of guy if he becomes, you know, any kind of shot creator off the dribble. And I must say, like that 15 foot turnaround jumper in people's face, to me, that's shot creation. 
if you've got yeah. a guy draped all over you and you're still able to hit it in his face, falling away, that's that's good shot creation. It doesn't always have to be between the legs, you know, step back from 35 feet. Like, the kid is 6'10", can shoot it over almost anybody. High motor, really solid athlete. Um, yeah, I, to me, Jabari Smith Jr., like you said, highest floor, especially out of the guys in, in the top three here. Um, you know, is Jabari an explosive athlete? Maybe not. Uh, I'm sorry, is Paolo an explosive athlete? Maybe not. Jabari is an explosive athlete. Um, durability, I would take him all day over Chet. Uh, so, yeah, if the draft was today, give me Jabari Smith Jr. Not having a great shooting game uh, right now against Miami in the tournament, uh, but that first game that Auburn played, the kid kid was incredible. Had the dunk to cap the game off at the end. Uh, yeah, I'm really high on all three of these guys. Again, it's just going to come back to whether or not you think Chet is healthy, and that's really where the draft starts with that question. If you think Chet is going to be healthy and durable, you take Chet. If not, you look at these other two guys, and to me, I would go with Jabari. Yeah. I think that's where we are. All right, Luke, uh, we're just about 33 minutes into this here. Let's go ahead and talk about these games, uh, the last couple of games here. So first up, the game the other night against the Detroit Pistons at home on Thursday. Obviously, this is a big game in terms of, uh, you know, again, just draft position and the magic, you know, without Wendell Carter Jr. in this game, without Jalen Suggs, the Pistons were without uh, Jeremy Grant, without Cade Cunningham, and it just became the Sadiq Bey show. Sadiq Bey ended up with 51 points in this game. Uh, just a couple of nights after we had the Nets in the building and Kyrie dropped 60. Like Kyrie dropping 60, you're like, okay, that kind of makes sense. The next morning you wake up and you see that Sadiq Bey dropped 51. You say, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. 10 of 14 from the three-point line, 7 of 27 from the four. Just a horrendous uh, defensive effort from the Magic, giving up 134 points to the Pistons again without Cade Cunningham, without Jeremy Grant. We talked a little bit ago about how you know the Magic's defensive uh, rating you know the last couple of weeks has started to slip a little bit. This week it was atrocious. Uh, yeah, just both teams went into this with thinking maybe we could lose this game. But I tweeted this out. How many times are guys going to come into your building and light you up before you say enough is enough? Yeah. Like Sadiq yeah. Bey, I believe, had 30 at halftime. Yeah. And, and how does no like one say, you know what, or something. this guy is not touching the ball the rest of this game? Yeah. It's just like it's super frustrating, obviously, because you see, you know, Franz has a good game, right? I mean, 26 and 5. Um, Bamba has a double double on 50% shooting T Ross, 50% shooting 17 points. Like there was performances wasted in this game. And a lot of it is just the fact that, like you said, they didn't want to play defense. Uh, unless you are, are, are Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, um, one of those like elite three point shooters, Jonathan, you don't shoot 10 of 14 from three without being open on a lot of those Sadiq Bay just was getting whatever he wanted whenever he wanted 51 on 27 shots is ridiculous I mean it, it super frustrating to only watch 10 free throws yeah only 10 free throws yeah um hit seven of those so super frustrating to see kind of the defensive mentality of this team kind of start to fade I, I think that Maybe you could also pinpoint it to the fact that uh, we're coming to an end here. These guys are starting to hear their vacation music, and uh, they're just they're kind of just ready. They're like it's like pickup ball, right? Like no defense, everybody's just shooting. Feels like a like an all star game. I feel like we're getting to the point where mo I feel like most people are ready for this season to end, like including you and me. Yeah, we got ten games left. You know, it's just about, you know, three weeks, two and a half weeks, maybe something like that. And us, like these guys especially have to be ready for the season to end. Like I, I know they're, you know, hoopers and they love playing basketball, but you've gone through 72 games of this now. You've won 19 games out of 72. These guys have definitely ha like have to be ready. But what I will say is 
if this team and, and the guys that we currently have on this roster are serious about building something here, you can't let that happen. I, I know it's easy to say this from where we're sitting, and, and honestly, kind of throwing in the towel for the rest of the season would be the easy thing to do. But if you do that, you, you've lost all the progress that you've made since October, right? Like you want to finish the season strong. You want to prove it to yourselves that you have what it takes to be competitive in this league and to turn this thing around here. You want to prove it to yourself that, you know, you're a better player than you were in October. This is a better team than what we had in October. And the, the team should show that, right? Like, I know we've you know, had guys out. Obviously, you know we joke about you know if Jalen was playing against the Nets, Kyrie doesn't drop sixty. If Jalen is playing against you know the Pistons, Sadiq Bay probably doesn't have fifty one. That might be true, right? But somebody else on this roster has to step up. You know, like we talk about uh, you know R.J. Hampton, like you know being a, a good defender. Where was R.J. Hampton in either of these games trying to you know shut one of these guys down? Like Kyrie, you're not going to stop, okay? Mm-hmm. Kyrie's having a historic night. It's you know, just quite frankly his night. But Sadiq Bey, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey has really started you know, to show himself to be a, a really good player in the NBA. Um, shot like, what was it, like 45% in his last season uh, at Villanova from behind the three-point line. It was a guy that, you know, before the Magic took Cole Anthony, you and I had plenty of conversations about the Magic taking Sadiq Bey. For mm-hmm. that reason, he was a great three-point shooter at Villanova. So I'm not saying this to take anything away from Sadiq Bay, but with all due respect, like we let Sadiq Bay give us a fifty burger at home, <laughs> and at it, some it point, you've got to knock one of these guys to the ground. Like mm-hmm. I'm not saying you know knock him out of the air while he's shooting a jump shot, but just like at some point, let him know, like bro, if you're gonna do this, it's gonna be met with resistance. We're not just gonna let you come into this building and do this to us and, and embarrass us, quite frankly. There's no reason that the Magic should be losing to double digits by a Pistons team without Cade, without Jeremy Grant. Yeah. There's no excuse for that whatsoever. And like somebody's gotta step up defensively. It's just it, it's ridiculous. You, you you know, you've had guys in this game, you know, like Admiral Schofield and you know Ignis Brasdakis, but like just start throwing different guys. Throw two guys at him if you have to. Get mm-hmm. the ball out of his hands. Make somebody else beat you. When a Give guy, him the KD treatment. I, I, people say that the yeah, people say that the hot hand thing is a fallacy. If, if you have ever been in that kind of zone, which mm-hmm. obviously I'm not Steph Curry or anything like that, but I've had some pretty filthy shooting Listen, performances. If you like if you pick up basketball, if you felt games. it and I felt that Sadiq Bay absolutely can feel it. Kyrie That's can feel it. That's what I'm saying. It. Like exactly to me, it is a real thing. Sometimes yeah. no, it is. you just know you no throw question. the ball up no matter what happens, it's going in. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to, you know, back in my day kind of thing. But, you know, I've had a couple of times I've hit like seven out of eight threes in a pickup game. Absolutely. Like, come on. It, it's a real Listen, thing. It's Throw a real a thing. Team and, at him. I don't and care. And you know what? I'm because it's it's our podcast. I can I can just sum up my my glory days. Intramural basketball. Nine you got threes, 15 seconds here. Go ahead. Not nine threes and a half. All right. So I understand, like in terms of like you just can throw it up, whatever. Sadiq Bay felt that, but you got to throw people at him, like you, like you said, double team, whatever you can to get this guy out of rhythm, get him out of that zone entirely, mentally. Please, it was atrocious. Yeah. All right, I think that's where we're gonna end the talk about the Pistons game because I think everybody is probably disgusted with it. What I'm disgusted with is what we saw tonight out of the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> First of all, they've got a ton of guys that are basically gonna be out for the season. Josh Giddy has got like a hip thing. They ain't bringing him back with 10 games left. Uh, Lugens Dortz, he had shoulder surgery like a few weeks ago or something like that. He's out for the rest of the season. And now Shea Gilgis-Alexander today is questionable uh, to, to not play in this game. Surprise, he doesn't play. Okay. And I watched probably one of the ugliest basketball games that we have seen all season. The Magic win 90 to 85. The Magic shoot 38% from the floor. 22% from the three-point line. The Thunder shoot 32% from the floor, 27% from the three-point line. Okay? And it's not like we were watching, you know, like the the, you know, 15-16 Warriors and like the, you know, the 93 <laughs> Bulls out there just defensive juggernauts. That is not what we were seeing. Okay? Maybe I should have yeah. said the 96 Bulls, you know, they were 72 and 10 or whatever. But this was just a horrible offensive game. 
on the Magic for anyone not named Wendell Carter and R.J. Hampton. Okay? Wendell Carter and R.J. Hampton, I give Mobamba a little bit of credit. Everybody else shoots below 40% for the game. Okay? Let's let's take a look at the, the Thunder. They had uh, Darius Baisley, 6 of 11, 54% from the floor. And Lindy Waters, which is the worst name I've ever heard of. No offense. <laughs> he shot 57% from the floor. Outside of that, had nobody. And this uh, Kregi guy. I'd never heard of Vit Kregi in my entire life. The, the, the roster that Sam Presti is putting on the floor in some of these games is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Theo Maladon, Olivier Saar, Vit Kregi, Lindy Waters, Alexei Pokashevsky. Isaiah Roby, Darius Baisley, Aaron Wiggins, Trey Mann. Like, that legitimately sounds like a college roster. Without Shea, it, without Lugens Dortz, without Josh Giddy. Yeah. Like, Presti is doing whatever he can do to lose these games, and he should be in prison. Um. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, you look at the bench play of these guys, like, these are guys that, after this season, probably are going to be hard-pressed to find themselves on an NBA roster. Like, the, the, these guys well, Not suck. if Presti has anything to do with it. Yeah, that's true. Listen, if Presti doesn't have all his ducks in a row after they tank this year, they got problems anyway. Um, yeah, no, these guys suck. Uh, and the Magic also suck tonight. Um, 21 turnovers, Jonathan. I mean, how many times have the Magic had 20-plus turnovers and won the game? <laughs> My uh, guess would be never. That coupled with season. shooting 38% from the field and 22% from three. And I don't know, man. Uh, this game was not fun. We're not going to act like it was. This was terrible. This isn't like one of those games like that the Magic have had you know, in the last couple weeks where like you can genuinely say in the group chat, like, this game has been a lot of fun. This yeah. game was not in any shape or form fun. It was terrible, but really the only true bright spots, um, Wendell Carter Jr., 30-16 and 16 tonight. You know what? I'm mad at Wendell. Six turnovers. What is that, bro? You're better than that. Listen, man, that, that guy, the guy's just got a lot of inflated usage right now, right? He's not used to the ball in his hands that much. Six turnovers. Wild. How do you have 68 turnovers against the Thunder and you still lose the game? Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Like, right. yeah. you're, or ex- excuse me. No, they won this game. What am I saying? It fe- to me, about? it felt like a loss just because of the Thunder and, and, and kind of the way that they do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, we won't. Like, yeah. just look at, like, go, let's go down the line here. Franz Varner, oh, 3 of 12. Boy. Cole Anthony, 1 of 7. Chuma, 2 of 7. Gary, 2 of 10. Markel, 2 of 8. Wagner, Mo Wagner, 3 of 9. Braz Dacus, 0 of 1. Like, okay, I need you to refresh my memory real quick before we you know, get done with this terrible game and forget all about it and forget it ever happened. Cole Anthony, fourth quarter. Right side, mid-range jumper. Wide open. Can you tell me how that shot went, Jonathan? Uh, it was almost an air ball. He bricked yeah. it off the far side of the rim. Yeah, he looked like Westbrook shooting a mid-range <laughs> shot. He really did. You really did. It was terrible. I don't. I, I'm. This is a whole other. Like we. I feel like we've had this segment, and and we could have a thousand more segments just like it, about just like the tail of of, I guess one quarter of the season to three fourths of the rest it's of the season. A, it's been a roller coaster with Cole. This is the sample size. Like we've got a big sample size, that just says Cole chucks, and. We'll never get an efficient player out of Cole. Okay, well, I'm not ready to say that after two seasons. I would say the evidence you, right now you, it is, is it is in it your is favor. damning evidence. I would say the it evidence is. is in your favor, but I'm not willing to say that about a guy two seasons in when the first season was like the most janky season we've ever had. Sure, I mean, listen, give him a season like next year that the the if the roster is healthy. He's got guys around him. He doesn't have to be the guy. Um, I mean, right now, his season looks a lot, a lot like his rookie season in terms of like efficiency. It is it is terrible right now. Shooting thirty nine point four percent from the field, thirty four percent from three. 
Last year, he was 33, almost 34% from three on half the attempts. Um, and uh, 39% from the 17 points field. on almost 15 attempts a game. It's not good. Not great. Like, the signs don't point toward Cole, like, all-star, like we thought in the first 25, 26 games of his this season. They just don't point there. It is it is terrible. I mean, th- this team is bad, Jonathan. So, therefore, he should be able to get his. And he's just not getting his. He'll have a highlight play every game, don't get me wrong. He'll hit a filthy step back tonight. James Harden-esque type step back that people get mad about and say it was a travel, right? Like, he ha- he has highlights, but it is atrocious. And I want I want Cole to be good so badly. But it, it just... Uh, it's tough. And that, that that shot tonight in the fourth quarter really irritated me. Yeah, like, especially, you know, the Magic were down and then came back in the fourth. And when you're in the middle of a comeback, like, that is a shot that you have to have. Now, it just turns out that the Thunder are literally doo-doo cheeks, like mm-hmm. booty juice dog water. Yeah, preach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, Vienna sausage. That's oh. that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm. And I'm just so upset. And and they employ Rob Hennigan, which is a you know an individual that I, I don't appreciate Guilty professionally. Guilty by association. I don't know him personally, yeah. obviously, but professionally, don't appreciate him. But, yeah. like, Cole ends up wide open, uh, like a 12-foot jumper. And like bricks it very very badly. It, like that's just a shot that the beginning of the year we could count on Cole to make, and now it's like, bruh, we. I could count on be the Cole dude, to make a game shot. winner. I could count on him to make a game winner at the beginning of the season, Jonathan. Now I don't trust him with a with a pivotal mid range shot in game seventy two of the season to to really you know to win a game. Yeah, like, I I I don't know. I mean, maybe the front office is paying Cole. I have no idea. No, so. no. <laughs> it's it, it's it's hard to hide money, but it it, it ain't that hard. <laughs> Jeez. So since the beginning of this year, okay, mm. Cole is averaging fourteen point nine points in thirty one minutes on uh, thirteen field goal attempts a game, thirty six point nine percent from the floor, thirty two percent from the three point line, eighty four percent from the free throw line. Like the the I don't know what it is. Like the form is not broken. Like it's not the prettiest thing that you've ever seen, but he should be able to develop into a better three-point shooter than what we're seeing. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's mental for a while there because he had so many injuries. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt with health. I feel like he's healthy. I mean, he did the dunk contest in Timberlands. Um, it I don't know what's going on. There's there's been I, some kind of change. I just need him to be efficient, Jonathan. That's all I need, and, and be competent defensively. But I those think, are the those are the two things. But but but, but listen to what I'm saying. Well, competent I'm defensively, saying, that's going to be the kid tries. I will give him that. But just because of the size disadvantage, and he's not like the quickest laterally. Okay, you're right. So he's so going to we'll have challenges there. We'll always. forget the defensive note that I just made. I need him to be efficient. I mean, right now, if you didn't look at his numbers, his field goal percentages, which obviously are a huge thing, he's averaging. 17, 5.7 assists, and 5.6 rebounds. If he can give me, like, when Markel's back without a minute restriction, if this kid next year, Jonathan, can give us 15, 5, and 5, I'll be like, that's fine. And and on good efficiency, right? I'll be like, that is great. Thank you, Cole. Like, that's all I ask of you. Even if it's freaking 12, 5, and 5. If he can facilitate and get rebounds as a guard, please. That's all I want. I feel like I'm not asking for a ton. With Cole, it, it I'm looking at his game logs, and it really did start like at the change of the year. Mm. Like obviously, he has like the crazy hot start. Okay, misses you know a handful of games, comes back, is still giving you 24, 26, nine, but then 33, 23, 21, seven, but then gives you 22, 26, 19. You know. The efficiency started to tail off a little bit, but as we get into like January 9th and beyond, let me go ahead. I'm going to tailor these uh, this date range here specifically to uh, January 9th and beyond. NBA is taking its time loading. Yeah, 14.4 points on 37% from the floor, 32% from the three-point line. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, I feel like the evidence is definitely in favor that Cole just might be like a, you know, inefficient scorer, you know, for 
the majority of his career, but like realistically, how many like super efficient high level scores are they? I feel like we know the names. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. if he never becomes that, it's like most people don't become that. I just want him to shoot better than his percentages right now. If he can give me like 43, 44% from the floor, I don't feel like that is asking necessarily too much. As, as a matter of fact, what I'm going to do right now, Luke, is I'm going to pull up um, like players in the league that average you know, 18 points or more on you know, 44% from the floor. Let me pull mm-hmm. up some advanced filters here. Let's go ahead and do this. Yeah. Go ahead and talk while I do this. Talk about yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, no. So, uh, basically, you're saying, like, if you can get to 44, you'll be all right with that. He's 39.4 from the floor right now. Um, I mean, I, I I, guess, like, 44, 45 would be nice. But you got to bump up that three-point, like, 34% on six attempts. Like, if you're going to shoot like that from three, give me, like, three attempts a game, man. Like, dial it back. But... But it is what it is. I don't know. Did you find it? Yeah, I've got the list here. So it's okay. obviously the people that you would think of. Joel, LeBron, Giannis, KD, Luka, Trey, DeMar, Kyrie, John Morant, Jason Tatum, Jokic, Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Cat, Levine, SGA, Bradley Beal, De'Aaron Fox, Anthony Davis, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Siakam, Darius Garland, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, DeJounte Murray, Chris Middleton, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, Kristaps Porzingis, Malcolm Brogdon, Bam Adebayo, Sabonis, Norman Powell, Drew Holiday, Bogdanovich, Valanciunas, and that's it. I just named a lot of guys, but you can't tell me that you wouldn't be happy if Cole turned into like any level of the production that any of those guys gives. What were the filters again? It that? was just uh, greater than or equal to 18 points per game mm. and the field goal percentage greater than or equal to 44%. So yeah. those are like, I mean, a, a lot of those guys obviously are the highest scoring, most efficient players in the league. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that he'll, maybe he will, but do we think that like he ever gets the chance to score 18 a game again? Like with just like with a know. fully healthy roster? I don't know. I don't know that he does. Um, Let's go I to hope, 16 a game. I would like to then get you're adding. To, Nikola Vucevic, Desmond Bain, Christian Wood, Tobias Harris, Anthony Simons, Andrew Wiggins, Tyrese Maxey, Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, DeAndre Ayton, Harrison Barnes, Keldon Johnson. I would love for Cole to, to shoot 44% from the field. Um, but like, I don't think it's, we're asking a ton for Cole Anthony be, to become Jordan Poole. Like, Jordan Poole is a guy that a lot of people had in terms of, like, maybe being like most improved player or six man of the year. And I think that he's proven that he's not that at least yet. But mm-hmm. if Cole Anthony becomes this year's Jordan Poole, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. For those of you watching on YouTube, I almost just busted my butt before you guys run to the comments um, in this rolling chair. Uh, <laughs> you could see the fear in my face, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I would I would love um, for Cole to get to 44% 16 a game. I mean, I'd kill for that right now. Like, He's 39% in the first 25, 26 games. The percentages were unreal. So I uh, I think that he's obviously been way worse in these last whatever 72 minus 26 is uh, from the field percentage-wise. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I, I would love to know that everything's going to be okay. And uh, I'd like to sleep well at night knowing that. But I just don't know that with Cole. I don't know that he is ever an efficient shooter scorer, but I'm rooting for him. Okay. So through the first uh, 26 games mm. out of Cole, it was 20.2 points per game. He was shooting 41% from the floor, 34.8% from the three point line. So that was kind of it was a three point percentage. Yeah. 34.8% is, is kind of what was, you know, booing him a little bit. And I think he was doing a better job at, you know, getting and finishing at the rim at that point as well. Um, mm-hmm. let's say, let's go back to like where the efficiency really starts to drop off for Cole. Um, which what was, was that? more the first like, so that was the first 26 games. I'm going to yeah. narrow it down to that was the peak of his points per game. I'm going to narrow it down back to, let's see, let's see where the official, like the efficiency was still really, really great. 
like the middle of December before he went out the second time. So mm-hmm. I'm going to change this to December 15th. Right now I've got it from uh, the beginning of the season to January 8th. I'm going to move this to, uh, what I say, December 15th. Yeah. And he was at 19.9 points per game, still at 41%. But was mm. at thirty six percent from the three point I, line. So I think it was his three point percentage, Jonathan, that that made like me uh, obsessed with his efficiency. Um, which obviously now like 41%, it's forty one percent. You know, it obviously better than what he's doing now. But are are we just like misremembering this? I'm gonna narrow this down to the first sixteen of the season before he got <laughs> hurt even the first time. We're gonna narrow. We're really you guys are getting, getting like. Here. You get you're you guys are getting like a Jonathan, me, Jonathan brain. and me, Jonathan and Kevin group chat conversation. Yeah, exactly. All right, in let's real run time. it now. So this is the first sixteen games. Nineteen points, still at forty one percent. What's his three point percentage? Three point percentage was thirty six point six. We are misremembering we are misremembering how efficient he was because the three point and thirty six percent isn't even like elite. What three point wise? It's like yeah. above average, but I it's mean above average. But I mean, right? I mean, if you gave me thirty six percent, you know, shooting right now from you know the three point line, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, you give me a full season of it, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think that now that I'm like remembering it better now as well, Jonathan. You guys are you know listening to this, and we're like like post all star break. He's at thirty five. Right. Why does it feel so drastic? I mean, the three point percentage is down a little bit post all star break. But he's at 36% from the floor. So the mid-range and those finishes at the rim are just not happening. Someone that's listening to this in real time, I'm not going to go through this now and make you guys wait for all this. But to find out, like, the beginning of the season to now, like, the finishing at the rim and see if that was different. Like, attempts, efficiency, all that stuff. We're, we're trying to Sherlock Holmes what has happened with Cole. And it's just not exactly adding up for me right now. He's mm-hmm. not been as efficient. That's obviously a fact, but... Uh, yeah, it just, uh, and, and the games at the beginning of the year weren't even relatively close and right. it still felt like, oh man, Cole was like low key, like blossoming into maybe an all-star and yeah, it, it feels like we're having a little, uh, you know, Mandela effect. We're kind of misremembering how efficient he was at the beginning of the year. I mean, it has a lot to do with the fact that he was averaging almost 20 a game or he was averaging 20 a game at one point, like at the peak of the 26 game. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it has a lot to do with that. I mean, any guys short, you know, scoring twenty a game. I know that was the narrative around him. Um, so yeah, and I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that he was shooting well from three. But uh, I just think like seeing him sink down to shooting his percentages now, still, right. still sucks. I've got one more question for you because I think this is really gonna sell me. Do you think Franz, given more attempts, could score twenty points a game? Like given more attempts, right? Mm. Um, do you have his numbers in front of you? I don't want to. I don't want to tell you that. That's the whole. Okay. That's the. That's okay. Kind of my you want point me to here. do this without looking? Okay. No context. I, I know that efficiently. His efficiency is is great. I think, at least from three, I think that uh, he could. Uh, I think he could score twenty again. All right. Right now he's averaging fourteen post All Star right. break fourteen point yeah. two points per game on forty five percent shooting from the floor. I mm. think Franz fits in that forty four at least forty four percent from the floor could score twenty points a game. I think Franz could get into that level. You don't think that more more shots would mean that I think he it would probably bring it down a lower. little bit. I think it would it probably bring to. it down a little bit. It has to. But I, I think I mean Franz is in his rookie year. He's averaging fifteen point three a game on forty six percent from the floor. I mean, let's be clear. He's having a better rookie year than Cole did, that's for sure. Um Yeah. I mean he's having a better rookie he's having a better year than Cole. Yeah, I mean so, Cole is still the leading scorer on the team, but yeah, but uh, efficiency is just really falling off a cliff. Being the lead scorer on a on a bad team doesn't do yeah. much for me. Um, right, we've really gotten in the yeah. weeds here. We got to wrap this up. Yeah, 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 I got nothing left to add, Jonathan. Yeah. Franz could score twenty a game um, on like forty two percent plus shooting for sure. I'm I'm on board with that and uh, interested to see what happens. Please, Cole. And this is like, year one, Franz. I think year two, Franz. Yeah. Could do I, twenty points, forty four percent from the floor. If we don't easily. see improvement, I mean, we something went wrong. But yeah. yeah. All right. Last thing I need from you, Luke, is some predictions. Tuesday versus Golden State at home. Wednesday on the road at Oklahoma City. Saturday at home versus the Kings. 
no Steph Curry for the Golden State Warriors. No Steph, and that's what I was going to say. So, ooh, uh, let's say that they go – hold on, I'm pulling it up myself. Uh, very visual. Um, so we're doing Tuesday through Saturday, right? Yeah. Um, I am going to say that the Magic go 2-1. and one. I'm going 1-2. and two. I think they beat Oklahoma City. I think they lose to Golden State and lose to the Kings. They got two all-stars now, so, you know. It's supposed to mean something in the league. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that is going to do it for us. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging in there. Lengthier episode this week, Luke, but we had some, some good conversations. We, we, we talked through some things. Yep. So, all right, folks, for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.